Good morning. It is good to see everyone here this morning. This is the largest crowd we've had since we had suspended services and resumed services. And it's good to see everyone this morning. I appreciate your also your flexibility as we've changed some things up. And you've done that without a hitch. And I appreciate that and your willingness to do that. Uh, we may have to do some more of that. So just stay tuned. It looks like every time we turn around, something changes, doesn't it? So let me ask you, in the midst of all the things that have been going on, how's your joy? You might remember back in the spring, um, what the second Sunday we were doing a live stream, I talked to you about one of the two things that I believe are absolutely essential as we're going to get through all the pandemic and all the things that go along with it, the shutdown, the stay at home, the social distancing, all those kind of things. And I said, you know, you need to have faith. But the other thing is, you need to choose your attitude and choose it well. And Paul told us that the attitude that we as followers of Jesus must always have is the attitude of joy. Rejoice in the Lord always, he says. And again, I say, rejoice. So how's your joy? I mean, we're farther down the road than we ever thought we would be. I don't know about you. I thought at the end of March, this will last a month or two, and then we'll be... And here we are, and we're back into face mandates and I mean, mask main, man, mandates, and if you don't wear a mask and all those kind of deals, and we're still told that we need a social distance, and the numbers are continuing to go up in the state of Florida, and, and, and we continue to ask all these different kind of questions. There's social unrest because of social injustice, and there's also political unrest, and there's political divide in our nation, and just... On and on it goes. So I just want to ask you, how's your joy? I think it's real important to ask that question because, you see, if you chose to rejoice in the Lord, then your joy ought to be unconquerable. And you ought to still have that same joy. There's an old song that says, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. And I believe that with all my heart, the joy that Christ gives us, that no one can take your joy. But here's the truth about that joy. You can give it away. If you're not careful, you can lose it. I was in seventh grade. I got a jacket. I was so excited because it was a fashionable jacket for those days. It was the one that everybody else was wearing the style. And the very first day that I wore it to school... When I got to social studies class, I took it off, draped it over the back of my desk, and when class was over, I got up and left my jacket. I realized my mistake later on in the day, and I went back to get it, and guess what? My my jacket was gone. Somebody took my jacket. The teacher had no idea, but it was gone, and there was only one person to blame, me. I'd been negligent. I'd been irresponsible. I hadn't maintained And I lost my jacket. Well, listen, the same thing can happen to you and me if we're not careful with our joy, to maintain our joy. So how do you do that? Well, in the the 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 to 18, Paul never mentions joy, but he he demonstrates such a, a... a resilient and unconquerable spirit that he has to be talking about joy. From that passage this morning, I want you to see this. 
question, asked this question, how do you maintain an unconquerable joy? If you have your Bible, would you stand with me or as we read this morning? If you don't have your Bible, you can still stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word, beginning with verse 7, and we'll read through verse 18 in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask that as we gather this morning to consider your word, that you would speak into our hearts. And we know, Lord, you want to help us to remove all the things that might be distracting us. That we might hear clearly from you, Father, and learn how to maintain this joy. For your glory and for your honor, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So the joy that Christ gives us is the joy that the world didn't give us. It's a joy the world can't take away. No one can take your joy <clears throat> unless you let them. Nothing can take your joy unless you let it. You have a choice, just like you do in your attitude about choosing joy. You have an attitude about what you're going to do with that joy and how you're going to maintain that joy. So how do you maintain the joy? How do you have that unconquerable spirit, that resilient spirit that Paul talked about, in the midst of the things that we're going through right now. Well, number one, I believe you need to focus on the treasure that's in you. Focus on the treasure that's in you. So what do you do when you feel the pressures of life bearing down on you? And what do you do when life gets so hectic and gets so confusing that you're at a loss about what to do next? And what do you do when you feel like life and circumstances, and everyone is against you. And what do you do when you feel like you've gotten knocked down and you feel like maybe you're out and you're down for the count? What do you do? Well, there's some choices you've got. First of all, if you can focus on what's happening to you. You can pay attention to all the injustice and all the unfairness and, and all the difficulties and all the trials and all the evil, and we can go on down the line about you can focus on all those things, but I just want to say to you that if that's what you're doing, 
focusing on the wrong things. And you're in danger of losing your joy. You can focus on what it's doing to you. Man, I'm, I'm getting beat up here. Man, man, I'm hurting. Man, I'm, and you keep on focusing on just that. And that's all you focus on. Just what's happening to you from the outside, from the enemy, from the uncertainties of life, from the inequalities of life. You can focus on all that. But I want to say to you again, if, if so, you're in danger of losing your joy. Or you can focus on what's in you. What's in you. Paul said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. He's talking about himself as being an earthen vessel. This is the treasure. But the question becomes, what is the treasure? What, what, are, what is the treasure? Well, one of the things he's going to make us aware of, that whatever the treasure is, it's, what is, it's going to keep him from being crushed. It's going to keep him from being in despair. It's going to keep him from feeling forsaken. Forsaken. It's going to keep him from, from being destroyed. In verse 6, I believe he gives us kind of a hint about what that is when he writes, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You know what he's saying there? He's saying that it's not a what that's in me when I think about what the treasure is. It's a who. And it's the one whose face shines with the glory of God. And Paul says, and he lives in me. He says, the joy of my, the source of my joy, the power of my joy, the strength of my joy is about the one who lives in me. See, this is the treasure, Christ in you. Paul wrote to the Colossians and said, Christ in you is, your, is the hope of glory. This is the hope of glory. It's the source of joy. It's the source of power. When Christ is your treasure, then what you face, what you go through, the people you have to deal with aren't what matters. What happens to you isn't what matters. It's who is in you that matters. And Paul said, I focus there on Christ who's in me. He is the source of my joy. He is the reason for my joy. And when I do that, Paul says, there's certain things that you can count on. Paul says, we, we face the pressures of life. And, and those pressures of life threaten to, threaten to crush us. But Paul says, we're, we're pressed down, but, but we're not crushed. This is a plastic bottle. And got nothing in it. And because it has nothing in it, when I go to... crush it, it, it crushes pretty well, doesn't it? But here's another bottle. This bottle's full of water. And when I go, that gives a little bit, but I can't, I can't do that. I don't want to do it too hard. I might do it. I don't know. <laughs> I can't do that. It just, it's it, so, having something in you makes a difference, doesn't it? But I want to suggest It, it depends on what's in you. Not just that you have something in you, but have something in you. Um, I'll confess, this bottle, this plastic, is a little stronger than the other plastic. I, it is. But I've tried it. When this bottle is empty, I can crush it. You probably could as well. 
But because of the liquid in this bottle, it doesn't even give when I press. And I don't have to worry. I can press as hard as I want. I don't worry about this one. What's the difference? Well, this is liquid with gas. It's carbonation. And it makes all the difference, doesn't it? See, it's not a matter of just simply that you got something that fills your life. It's got to be the right thing. You know, I've seen a baseball shirt that said, baseball is life. And if that's what fills you, it might help you a little bit. But what were you doing the last several, several months when there was no baseball? Some of you are going crazy, huh? And so you, you rejoiced on Thursday night when the baseball started all over again, huh? But when Christ fills you, that makes all the difference in the world. Because when Christ is your treasure... The pressures of life won't crush you. They can't because of Christ. When you feel perplexed by all the difficult situations of life, Paul says we are perplexed. But he says, but we're not in despair. We got to the point that things got so difficult we didn't know what to do. We came finally to the point that we came to the end of ourselves. And some people said, oh, that's when all is lost. But I want to suggest to you that's one of the best places you and I can get. When we finally get to the end of ourselves, because usually when we get to the end of ourselves, what do we discover? We discover that all we've got is Jesus. And when you discover that all you've got is Jesus, you discover you've got all that you need. Paul says that we were persecuted, but, but not forsaken. Paul, Paul understood what it was to be a minority. Even among his own people, he was a minority because he was following Jesus. And that wasn't the popular. And so Paul had his adversaries, and Paul had his opponents, and Paul had his enemies, and they wanted to see him destroyed. They, they wanted to kill him, literally wanted to kill him. But, but Paul never felt alone because the treasure within him was the Lord Jesus Christ who had promised he'd never leave him nor, nor forsake him. Paul says we're, we're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. And he says we're struck down, but, but we're not destroyed. If you know anything about battle and and, and the warfare in the day of Paul, you know that those soldiers wore armor and they carried swords and they carried shields and they carried clubs and they carried spears and 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 warfare was up close and, and personal, wasn't it? It's eye to eye. The last thing you wanted to do in the midst of that battle was to fall down. Just get knocked off your feet. Because when you were on the ground, you were pretty much at the mercy of your opponents. You're on the ground, it pretty much is over. You weren't going to make it. Paul says, yeah, but because of the treasure that's in me, I've gotten knocked down a couple of times, but I've gotten back up because of the treasure that's within me. Did you pay attention? Paul said, it's not the vessel that matters. Paul says, it's not what's happening to the vessel that matters. What matters is what's inside the vessel. The vessel might get cracked. The vessel might get knocked over. It's not the vessel that matters. It's what flows out of the vessel that matters. It's the living Lord Jesus Christ and the relationship that we have with the living Lord Jesus Christ. That's what matters. And that's where our focus needs to be in the midst of the days that we're going through right now. Secondly, we need to recapture the hope of resurrection faith. As I told you, Paul knew that death was always a possibility. He, he knew that his opponents would love nothing more than to see him executed, put out of the way, be done with. 
but dying didn't bother him. As a matter of fact, if you want to get a good example of that, one of my favorite verses is Philippians 1.21, where Paul says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he goes on to say something to the effect of how much better it is to depart and to be with Christ. In the next chapter of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Paul will talk about how he longs to put off this earthly tent that he might receive the eternal dwelling and the eternal tent that God's got for him. He says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's what he longed for. He didn't die because he knew that death did not have the final word over his life because of resurrection faith. Tony Campolo is a sociologist. He's a believer. He spoke, he's spoken at many different uh, events. He's written a lot of, a lot of books. Um, I heard him for the very first time back in the early 80s, um, listening to the radio and uh, the Focus on the Family program, and Dr. Dobson was broadcasting a, a, a message that he had shared with, that uh, Tony Campolo had shared with a group of young people at a Young Life conference. And he talked about the fact that being white, he still was a member of a mostly black church. And the reason he was a member of that church is because he had grown up in that church. Of course, when he had grown up, it was a mostly white church. But the neighborhood had transitioned, and the church had transitioned, but he stayed at the church. And he loved his church. And he was happy to be a member of that church. And he loved his pastor. His pastor was a Reverend Tucker. And on a good Friday, when they had a good Friday service, Reverend Tucker stood up to preach, and, and he said... Jesus died on Friday, but he rose on Sunday. Did you hear me? Jesus died on Friday, but he rose on Sunday. Can I get a witness? He said, and to some of you, today is Friday, but Sunday is coming. I said, today is, is Friday, but Sunday is coming. Friday because you lost your job. It's Friday because your landlord wants his money and you ain't got it. It's Friday because your husband walked out on you and left you all alone. It, it, for some of you, it's, it's Friday <clears throat> because you, he left you for another woman. It, it's Friday. He said, but Sunday's coming. It, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. He kept saying it over and over again. He said, today is, is Friday, but you don't have to be discouraged. You, you don't have to be downhearted. You don't have to look like you just lost your best friend or like you're sucking on a lemon. Jesus died on a Saturday, on a Friday, but, he, but, but, he, but Sunday's coming. And Jesus rose on Sunday. And for you and to me, today may be Friday, but Sunday's coming. That'll preach, won't it? I don't want to be impertinent. I don't want to be presumptuous. But I want to say to you that if you're living in Friday, something's wrong. If today is Friday for you, something's wrong. Because you see, Sunday ain't coming. Sunday's not coming because Sunday's already come. See, I got a choice, and you do too. I can live in Friday. I can live in light of Friday and all the evil they did to Jesus. Well, I can live in light of Sunday, what God did, and the power of God that raised Christ from the grave. Which one do you want to choose? Well, where do you want to live? Because, you see, that makes a difference about what's going to happen to your joy. Because, you see, all this means is just simply that God has the last word. Isn't that good to know? Isn't it good to know that social injustice doesn't get the last word? That social upheaval doesn't get the last word? 
Isn't it good to know that Satan doesn't have the last word? Isn't it good to know that the circumstances of life don't get the last word? Isn't it good to know that a virus, that an illness, that a disease, that not even death gets the last word? Because of what God did on Sunday when he raised Jesus from the grave, God has the final word. And he has yet to speak that word, but I guarantee you, because I read the end of the book, that last word is a word of victory. Christ wins. And if Christ is the treasure that's in you, you win. And God gets the last word. That's what resurrection hope is all about. I'm not happy that we're still dealing with pandemics and we're still talking about possibilities of shutting down again and having to wear masks again and all those kind of things. But none of those things get the final word over my life and how I'm going to live. God gets the final word. And that final word is victory. Something else you need to do, and that's gain the proper perspective. If you play some card games, you know that in certain games, there is, all, there is a, a trump card. My dad is an expert at playing Rook. I never did beat my dad at Rook. He knew how to play that game, and he knew just exactly when to play the trump card. See, when you have the trump card, the trump card beats every other card. So it is with the right perspective. That's the trump card that you and I have got in this game called life. That right perspective will give you the victory. So let's talk about some of the right perspectives that are going to give you that. See, the first perspective you need is that what's happening in you trumps what's happening to you. Now, a few minutes ago, I told you that we don't need to worry about what's happening to us. But we do need to be concerned about what's happening in us. Because God is at work in us. Isn't that what the Bible tells us and promises us? When, God, when, it, when Paul writes and says that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. But that's not where he stops. He goes on to verse 29, and we do well to remember verse 29 as well, where he writes, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Here's what's going on. God's allowing these things to happen to you because God wants to do something in you. And see, what's happening to you is either going to make you bitter or it's going to make you better. And it all depends on what, what you do and how you look at the circumstances and realize God has got a better idea and he's going to do something as you're going to trust him. You go back to that resurrection faith. Go back to remember the treasure that's in you. There is the power to overcome. God gets the final word. And what God wants to do in you is to form you, to, re- to recreate you into the very image of Jesus Christ. And when you know that, it makes these difficulties a little easier to deal with, doesn't it? You know, God's at work. God's doing something inside of me if I'm going to cooperate with Him. If I'll maintain the joy. Second perspective is that the eternal trumps the, the temporal. You know, Paul didn't get worked up about all these tribulations and trials, the persecutions, everything that came against. As a matter of fact, 
Paul was really kind of considered them somewhat insignificant. He referred to them, did you notice, as light afflictions that were just for a moment. And he could do so because he knew they were temporal. Because he knew that when compared to what God was doing and what God had in store with him, these really didn't matter, these things. Because these things were temporal. You understand what it means to be temporal. Temporal means it doesn't last. So that the problems that you go through are just temporal. The troubles, the trials, they're just temporal. The virus is just temporal. I heard someone say this virus will always be with us. Uh Uh-uh. One day, this virus will be completely gone because it's just temporal. It's not eternal. That's what I cling to. That it's just temporal. But what God is doing in me and what God has in store for me is eternal. So what do you want to focus on? That which is just passing? Stop and think about it. What was it about a month ago that really troubled you? Can you even remember? Does it still trouble you today? Now, you know why? It's like the Bible says, and it came to pass. It passed away. It's not, it's not there anymore. This too shall pass. And it's one of the things you need to tell ourselves every time we get up against a hardship. Just realize, you know what? Life builds a trouble. This is one of them. But they never last. I got through the last one. I'll get through the next one. I'm going to get through this one. Because of the treasure that dwells within me. Because of the power of resurrection faith. To know that God has the final word. One other idea is that the visible, the invisible rather, trumps the visible. I feel sorry for people who say, I only believe in what I can see. And I feel sorry for them for this reason. The things that you and I see are not going to be here forever. They're either going to be changed or they're going to be destroyed. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? Just no other option. And everything we see today is at best a shadow of things to come. But what we see today is like the shadow on the ground. It, it's here today. It's gone as soon as the sun goes down. It's, and then it moves and it's, it's always changing. And, but what God's doing is eternal. And I can't always see it with the naked eye. But with the eye of faith. See, I don't believe always in what I see, but I do believe in what I cannot see. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ, His Son, and my Lord and Savior. I believe in the power of God's love to change lives. I believe in heaven. And I believe that what Jesus said about heaven is true. When He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And I believe what John saw when, and recorded in Revelation 21 about heaven when he wrote and said, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. Oh, I only believe in what I can see. Well, all you can see is the pain, the sorrow, the crying, the death. But with the eye of faith, I see a better place. 
I believe in what I can't see. How about you? Where's your focus? The here and now? Just what I can see and touch and feel? And, or what God says? That I can only see by faith and trust by faith. See, God's kingdom is eternal and it's real, though I can't see it with my naked eye. But with the eye of faith, it changes everything, doesn't it? It really is the trump card. That right perspective. Nehemiah told the people, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I want to say to you this morning, the joy of the Lord is also our strength. If we'll keep that joy, know that joy, but please hear, the joy is always that which is ours through relationship with Jesus Christ. And outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, we'll not have that joy that the world cannot give and the world cannot give away or take away. My joy comes out of that relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the treasure of my life. How about you? Knowing that He has the victory and I live in light of His victory makes all the difference. Knowing that there's nothing that trumps the reality of who He is and what He does in the lives of those who love Him and those who live for Him. There's nothing that trumps those who hang on to the joy they know in Him. So let me just say to you that you maintain your joy by maintaining your relationship with the living Lord Jesus Christ. So how is your relationship with Jesus? I could have started there, and that would have answered the question, how is your joy? Because if you've been maintaining that perspective, your focus is on Jesus Christ, on who He is, on what He has accomplished, what He is going to bring about in your life that's still to come. That's where your focus is. That's where your joy is. That makes all the difference. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are our joy. You are the reason and the source of our joy. You are the strength and the power of our joy. It's all caught up in you. Though we can't see that, we know it's true. We trust it. Well, these are difficult days, uncertain days. Days we've never been through before. But it doesn't matter. You have, and you're with us. And you're going to continue to walk with us through these valleys. And you're going to bring us up to the other side where there is the fullness of life and light. And we can trust in you. You fill us with your joy. Lord, help us to cling to that joy. Help us to treasure that joy. And help us to live out our lives in light of what you've done for us in Christ Jesus. And what awaits us because we do. I pray, Lord, today for someone who has never put their faith and trust in Christ. And so they don't know the joy. But, Lord, I pray that today that open their heart and receive the one who makes all the difference. 
they would trust the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray these things for your honor and for your glory. Amen. If you're one of those that <clears throat> needs to make a decision about Christ, I'm going to be in the fellowship hall after the service. You can come by and talk with me. <clears throat> we can maintain social distance. Or maybe you want to write at an office at SeminoleFirstBaptist.com. That's office at SeminoleFirstBaptist.com. And we'll respond to that email. Or do you want to call the church office sometime during this week? However you want to, we want to help you to know the joy that Jesus Christ gives and to know how to maintain that joy and to grow in that relationship with Christ Jesus. We'll be praying that for you in that reality. Because of who he is and because of what he does, we love him. Tom's going to lead us in a song, or Shirley's going to lead us in a song about that.